I think the more common thing that happens is that clients are frustrated, maybe not even with us, right? Often the times it's not with us, it's with the entire situation that's led them to be sitting in that room with you that day. Welcome to the Sawyer Vet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet. Now what? I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Dr. Sarah Wolf. Sarah is a veterinarian and communication guru who, in today's episode, shares her knowledge about handling the tough client communication scenarios we have all dealt with in clinical practice. Listen along as Sarah shares personal experiences when things absolutely did not go to plan in practice as a new grad and how she would handle the same situations now. I always have so much fun chatting with Sarah, so let's jump into today's episode. All right, you guys, welcome back. I am joined today by the wonderful Dr. Sarah Wolf. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. It's always so much fun when I get to talk with you. I don't know, we're just like on similar wavelengths in our mind. And so sometimes there's a little bit of hilarity that can ensue. And also, I mean, people don't always know, but we both graduated from the same alma mater. So there's that kindred heart that we have. <laughs> so Yeah, little Scotland. A little bit of Scotland short-term there. Short-term expat love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so today, of course, we are going to be talking about client communication. And this is probably a much bigger topic that we may have time for. So we'll see what we get to today. But as new grads or recent grads, like going into a practice, I feel like one of the biggest anxiety points is dealing with like an angry client or a frustrated client or just a situation that had a miscommunication and you're trying to like pull multiple people back onto the same playing field and you're the middleman and you're like, what do I do? How do I communicate this? How do I fix the problem essentially? And you've had a ton of situations. I've had a ton of situations. If you go into vet med, you're going to have these situations. You can't get away from them, honestly, where you're just like sweating bullets. <laughs> you're like, what do I do? Someone is angry at me. So Sarah, let's really dive into this. I know you've had a couple situations. And so how about you just start by sharing, like, what are some of those situations that you had early in your career that kind of brought about this feeling of anxiety? And then we can talk about what do we do about it? I mean, so many, right? And for those who don't know, I worked for a long time in New York City. And I started off working in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that was a great neighborhood. But in New York City, like many dense urban areas, you have an enormous mix of clientele, even within very, very small geographical ranges. So no matter what practice I've worked at, what it's geared towards, who their you know avatar ideal client is, you get this huge mix of people coming in. And so there's always going to be some mismatch, right, between what your practice is set up to do and what you're targeting, and then some of the clients that come through the door. And that's true of any practice. I feel like the extremes are more extreme in more dense urban areas sometimes. So my first year out, I had somebody who 
had a very, very ill neonate puppy who needed probably to pass on, but they wanted to try and save her. Her name was Angel. I will never forget. And I put together my best kind of treatment plan of what we could try to do in this little general practice to try and save this puppy. And the client became immediately irate at the cost. And it was, you know, somewhere in the $300 range, which I look back now and I'm like, like wow, pennies. what a steal. <laughs> Inflation is real. <laughs> but, you know, in this neighborhood at that time for this particular client, that was an unmanageable amount of money. And she became extremely upset. And I probably didn't present the treatment plan in the most coherent way possible. You know, as a new grad, I was still figuring things out. This was like the first couple months out. And I had no mentorship. I worked by myself as a solo practitioner after the first couple of weeks. So I was just figuring out as I went, which is Ooh, not on the fly. But yeah, we got there. And she finally decided she wanted to go ahead with treatment and wanted to try and do all of it. And she pulled this huge roll of bills out of her pocket and started throwing ones and fives at me in the exam room, just throwing oh dollar bills at me across the exam table while screaming at me. And I didn't know what to do in that moment because, like, vet school doesn't prepare you no. for that, right? There isn't a class, like, client goes ballistic in the room. <laughs> but you're also kind of the senior person on the scene and need to deal with this and de-escalate, you know. That was a very memorable moment. Oh. I had a couple clients threaten to show up with firearms at later times, which obviously is a stop everything, call the police moment. Uh, I've just had clients who were frustrated and didn't like what I was saying, or I got off on the wrong foot with them. You know, I had one not that many years ago. We're just in the middle of the appointment. I just stopped and literally took a really deep breath with my eyes closed. And the client said to me, oh, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't going well, is it? Oh, dear. She's like, nope, it's not. I was like, all right, can we try to start fresh with each other? <laughs> you know, just... We're off the rails here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we both just had to take a moment. I was like, all right, let's just salvage this. We've got 10 more minutes together. Can we salvage something? So I think they come in all different you know, ranges of situations, everything from like completely insane and not functional and not safe to just everyone's having a cruddy day and the perfect storm hits and your appointment is just kind of sucking, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And all the way along there, there's different ways to handle those different situations. You know, sometimes it is stop and call the police or leave the room. Like, as that woman was screaming at me and throwing things out of me, I should have just left the room. But I was young and yeah, didn't, you didn't know, know. And thought I should stay. I don't know. We treated the puppy. Now I would just say, okay, you have to leave now. This is not okay. Oh, <laughs> Get out of the hospital. But at the time, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I like... I can feel the stress and the anxiety like building in my body as you're telling that story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I would have done in that situation as a new grad. And like you said, like you didn't know what to do. So hopefully today we can kind of provide some framework for here's what you do in those situations. Oh my goodness. Like I don't even have words <laughs> for that yeah. first one. And I think it really comes down to I maybe had a slightly inappropriate expectation that it's my job to handle absolutely everything that happens in that exam room. And newsflash, it is not. It is not your job as the veterinarian to handle anything, right? There's a huge range of normal behavior and normal frustrations that is your job to navigate and help the client navigate. But I would say just as a first off red flag, if this isn't already obvious to you, if your safety is at risk, your physical safety, leave the room 
and seek help. And if you're the senior person on the scene and nobody else there, you know, you don't have a manager or a medical director or someone or an owner on the premises and it truly is dangerous, you call 911. That's what you do. You just, you call the police and you get it dealt with, right? And just any new grad, it can happen. Just, you know, do that. Don't worry about it. And if the person in front of you is being emotionally abusive, you know, being verbally abusive to you, then again, just excuse yourself from the room, even if it's just to seek counsel from somebody, right? That's not a situation that you're going to salvage by taking a deep breath, right? If they're shouting at you and being extremely aggressive with you. I think the more common thing that happens is that clients are frustrated, maybe not even with us, right? Oftentimes it's not with us. It's with the entire situation that's led them to be sitting in that room with you that day. And they are frustrated because they couldn't get an appointment that worked for them and the babysitter didn't show up and their kids got a project that has to happen. And they thought they were going to have an hour this afternoon to just freaking get a manicure for the first time in a month. But now their dog's puking everywhere and they're in front of you. And you're saying it's going to be a thousand dollars, but they're going on vacation next week, right? Like that's the more realistic situation. Oh yeah. I've been there. It's all snowballed. And now you're the person The unfortunate soul that has to be like, hey, this is how much money it is to fix your dog. I'm sorry. Yeah. And your dog's sick and I can't fix that in two seconds here right now. You know, it's going to take four days of medication at home, even if we don't do anything else. Right. And that's an understandable time for people to not be happy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's not okay for them to be abusive to you or anything. But I think just understanding that that suckage is real and justified is the first thing you can do with any of these client situations that may come up, you know, and just saying, you can say, yeah, this sucks big time. Yeah. And it sounds like you've got a lot going on. And the last thing you needed was this. And I am so sorry you're dealing with this. Let's figure out how we can get you through it. You know, just empathizing with where they're at can go a long way for clients who I think often feel kind of the same way we feel. They're supposed to deal with whatever's happening, right? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to have their family on lockdown and their dog stuff on lockdown. And they're supposed to know what their dog's eating. And we ask them all these questions and they didn't know the answers to any of them because their wife is the one who feeds the dog. But <laughs> the wife is at work because she has a meeting that she can't leave today. You know? Yes. I, literally, I'm like, I've been there. I've been in exact, that exact situation. <laughs> right. We've all been in it. And You know, I used to be really judgmental of clients who didn't know the answers to my history questions or who sent in a partner who wasn't super involved in the care of the pet and like, oh, you know, that classic joke, don't send the husband, he doesn't know. (laughs) And now, like, I have a lot more empathy for that because that's real life. Like, I don't know how my house's electric bill gets paid. It gets paid. I know what it is. But that's not my job in my family, right? I have other jobs in my family because dividing and conquering is the only way anything works. It's what we do in practice. Yeah, It's how the world works. And so I think just anytime we can take a step back, look at the situation in front of us and say like, yeah, this is a tough situation. And remember that the person who is sitting in front of us is there because they're one of the top 10% of pet owners who is actually seeking pet health care, especially if it's an urgent situation. They've actually dealt with it potentially urgently. And they're trying to figure out a solution and come at it from that angle, just that headspace for us, I think alleviates a lot of the stress for ourselves because then suddenly you're back into this helping space, this caretaker space. And emotionally, that's where most of us thrive. That's why we've gone into this field is we want to help people and their pets. And if we can get ourselves back into that mentality, even when there's a frustrated person in front of us, I think it's a lot easier for us to move forward productively. Mm -hmm. 
Are you a new or recent veterinary graduate? If so, listen up, my course, So Your Vet, Now What? has been put together specifically for you. We focus on the non-clinical skills, don't tune out. This is not as dull as it sounds, I promise you. In fact, almost every career problem that people face are due to not having well-developed non-clinical skills. The skills that I'm talking about are things like client communication, so you have great relationships with clients, emotional intelligence, so you've got great relationships with your teammates. Effective negotiation skills, so you can get paid what you are worth. Management of imposter syndrome and how to build formidable resilience. They're not just skills, they are prerequisites vital for success in financial and emotional well-being. This course serves as an essential stepping stone to your success. So let's take the leap together. I will be your mentor as we go through 12 modules helping you transition from being a student to being a fully rounded professional. Head to www.drdavenickel.com forward slash S-Y-A-V class to learn more. Now back to the show. No, I think there's definitely a couple things to kind of break down there that you've said. And again, one of those is like really just taking that step back and realizing that there is like a negative mindset that a lot of times we see exemplified through social media and even just within our own practices. Like we like to have our little negative huddle with people. We like to be like, oh, that person, I can't believe they did that. They fed what to their dog? They let that happen. And in a way, we're kind of like, I am high and mighty compared to you type of thing. And it's not helpful for anybody whenever we do that. Like, yes, it in a way has a little bit of a mental release, but it has a negative feedback on that. So if you do it once, you keep doing it and you keep seeing that kind of rhetoric happening in your practice with your team members. And that doesn't help the clients because you're just going to keep seeing these like negative interactions. You're going to butt heads more with clients because you're already go walking into that room being like, that dumb owner did what? You don't want someone to walk into the room with that kind of headspace when if you have a problem. So why would you do that to someone else? So there's that little aspect of it. But also, again, like just like being able to read their body language, they don't even have to say like, well, this happened and that happened and blah, blah, blah. Like that's them like clearly putting a big banner to be like, everything sucks right now. Help me. <laughs> but sometimes they won't say that. They'll just like be really short and like cut off all of their words or they'll have a really closed body language or they'll ignore eye contact with you. Like all of those are really subtle signs that you can catch as the practitioner to kind of say, hey, this client is like, there's a disconnect happening here. How do I show them empathy? How do I show them that, like, I get what you're going through? Or even if you haven't experienced it yourself, you can say, I see that this sucks. I can see that you're frustrated or like putting words to it. Like, that's like therapy 101, I feel like, is put words to the emotion. Absolutely. And I think when you see people doing that stuff, personally, I'm a pretty like cynical kind of person with a dry sense of humor. And so that whole like, oh, can you believe it? Like, that's yeah. kind of what I gravitate to naturally. And I don't even think there's anything wrong with like laughing about yeah. the generalization of some of those things that happen. But then remembering there's an individual in front of you and that that individual does not deserve to be, you know, tarred with the same brush, right? Yes. That they deserve an opportunity for your own compassion and empathy. And that literally that's what we're being paid to provide, right? And then, as you said, if they're in that mode where it's not just that they're telling you everything that's going on, but you feel like there's this real frustration, there's nothing wrong with stopping a consult and just saying, hey, 
tell me what you're worried about. Yes. It's part of a good history, right? You can't help the client with their concern until you know what their concerns are. And if you feel like you're not getting the whole story about what the concerns are, you may never get it. And it's people's right to be private about what's going on. But you can stop and just say, hey, I feel like maybe we're not actually addressing some of the main things that you're worried about. Can you let me know, like, what are you stressed Mm -hmm. about today with this? And maybe they say, it's not you. I'm having the worst day ever. My mom's in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. But then they don't know that that information is really helpful for us to say, okay, well, that means I'm not going to send home something that you have to give three times a day for a week because you can't do that right now. But I could do a convenient injection, you know, and tell you if you feel like your cat's still sick in 48 hours, call us and we'll have you drop her off for the day. And that's something that we can provide for you. I think when people are frustrated, it's usually because they want a solution and they don't feel like they're getting that solution. And when they've walked into a vet hospital, they've come in with the expectation that we are going to solve their problem. Be that needing a rabies vaccine boosted, needing, you know, a test done, needing a health certificate filled out. And most frustration comes up when they feel like they've gotten to the point in the process where their problem's going to be solved. And then they find out from us that we can't solve their problem or we can't solve it right now or in the way that they were hoping it would get solved. And it doesn't mean that they're mad at us, but they had this expectation that maybe they created themselves and it's just been dashed, you know? And I think if we can try to get our own minds around the fact that we're here to help them, try to give them the benefit of the doubt unless they've really crossed a line and then find out what their actual pain points are because it may be to do with the pet. It may be completely separate. And then the great thing about veterinary medicine is most of us and most of our teams are really good problem solvers. That's what we do all day, every day, you know, and we really want to help. So yeah, if your mom's in the hospital, you can drop your pet off with us in the morning and she can just stay all day on Wednesday and you don't have to pick her up till seven. And sometimes you can just say something like that, like, hey, if this doesn't work out, like we've got a lot of other options. We can work around your schedule. We can do this. And you just see people release so much stress off of them. And oftentimes it's nothing to do with the medical stuff that you're recommending or the testing you're recommending or even the cost of what you're recommending. That can be part of it. But oftentimes it's the logistics of pet care in the middle of busy lives. And the more we know about that, the more we can address the actual issues And, you know, trying to kind of say all of that in one thing to kind of think of in your head and take home, I would say, you know, approach everyone with empathy and the benefit of the doubt and really try to get to the bottom of what is their concern. And if you don't feel like you're getting that when you get your medical history, don't hesitate to just straight up ask, what are you stressed about? What are you concerned about with this? You know, is there anything in particular that you want to make sure we take into account as we figure out a plan for you guys? People love personalized plans. They love that attention. And if we can give them that peace of mind, knowing that we are there to help them with that component of things, that's going to resolve 80% of the problems that come up with clients, you know, and those difficult moments and that tension in the room too. It's like those are the moments that you can use a closed question. (laughs) So you can say, what is the problem? Or like, is this uh, treatment plan going to work for you? And I know you have some really good phrases for some of these things. And you already shared some of them. I think one that came to mind for me was like when they share something like that is a pain point or something that's going on maybe in their personal life. I'm like, thanks for sharing that with me. Like, I appreciate your vulnerability. Or even if you say like, that is actually really helpful for me to know because XYZ, I can send home or not send home this medication. And in a way that kind of unlocks for them to say, oh, like this is a safer space for me to share some of these things because it's going to help my pet. It's going to help me. It's going to make my life easier. So 
Any other things that come to mind for some phrases? I like to always ask at least twice during an appointment if they're okay with what's going on. So usually after presenting my recommendation or we've kind of agreed tentatively on a plan of some sort, you know, you get to that point of the appointment, which is usually the point where your brain's like, great, I got to get in the next room, right? (laughs) You know, saying, do you have any concerns about that plan? Or even better would be what concerns concerns? do you have about that plan? Because they may not be willing to say it. They may think, especially depending on what generation you're dealing with. If you're dealing with an older client, someone in their 70s or 80s, culturally, they are conditioned to not have concerns. And millennials also, go us, (laughs) hate conflict, really hate it. So we hate to bring up problems. And so if you can just add that moment, that open moment of expecting that there might be some concerns and making it normalizing having concerns, I think that's a really powerful thing to do. Because my concern is you're not going to do this when you go home and it's not going to get better, right? So if I don't find out if you have concerns about it, none of us are happy. So checking in there and then also checking in at the very end of the exam and the appointment and saying, do you have any other questions? Is there anything else you hoped we would address that we haven't gotten to today? doesn't mean you have to address it. It might be like, oh, yeah, that's important. I'm glad you're worried about that. Let's plan to talk about that at a follow-up in a week or two or schedule a telemed for us. We can take care of that remotely. I'm glad you told me. You know, it doesn't mean you have to do it right that second, but making sure that we are continuing to set ourselves up as a resource for clients. So part one of that is checking in to make sure that the plan we've put together is actually going to work and the client isn't trying to suck it up, that they don't like it. And then part two is making sure that they know we're this ongoing resource and that we're not only here for whatever they came in for. And that helps build that relationship going forward as one where they know they can come back to us with whatever else is going on and that we don't just see them as this transactional moment in our day. And those two points to check in with clients make a huge difference in their ability to be open with you and and continue that relationship. Oh my goodness. I love where this conversation is going. There's so many golden nuggets that I know new grads and recent grads can pull out of it. Uh, But since we are coming to the end of this time, we're going to cut it. We're going to make a part two for you guys. Because again, there's way too much for us to cover in one episode. So Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always good to have you. And so we will catch you guys next week with the part two to this episode. All right. See you guys soon. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What, or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care.